0: Welcome back, folks, to the Not Funny Guys present why exploring philosophy, rhetoric and cultural impact of the MCU. I am your host, Dr. John, and I am joined once again by my best friend, one of my best friends, Eric. Wow. Hi just, just one of, just one, of are, just one, just kind one. Of the other one's Casey. It's cool. Okay.
1: Wow, he's. We not all get here. together. He's we combine our powers right like now. Captain
0: Planet on the main <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> it's like Voltron, you know, whatever you want it to be.
1: Uh, that's, fine, that's fine. All <laughs> right. So,
0: reminder, folks, this pod is an extension of our main podcast. The Not Funny Guys presents Off the Reels, which is where we do combine all of our powers. Uh, where we explore the films, and here we will explore some of the ideas and have some debate about them. Starting by asking the question why and this is episode 21 thor love and thunder now comic book origins to start us off we're going to start off with gore the god butcher he is a creation of jason aaron and he said um first appearing in thor god of thunder number one in 2013 so he's a more recent addition uh incredibly power uh powerful with superhuman strength healing and dark energy when he learned that gods did it did exist, but did not help those who prayed to them, he vowed to kill them all. Very similar to what happens in the film. Uh, he acquired the Necro Sword from Null, who considered to be a god of the symbiotes, by the way. They ret- retconned his existence to have him be the god of the symbiotes like Venom and Carnage. Uh, less so much in this one, because he actually played kind of like the part of a, of a superficial baddie, the way Loki was in the first Avengers film, where he was sort of a front... For Thanos, in the comic books, uh, gore was sort of a front for Null, but oh. not so much in the film. Of course, in this one, I feel like I wanted to include this one. I wanted to include the mighty Thor Jane Foster. Now, we have spoken of Jane before, but when she did become Thor in the comic books wielding Mon- M- Mjolnir, yeah. Mm-hmm. and gained the powers of Thor during which the time when she was dying of cancer, this occurred in Thor number one in 2014, written by Jason Aaron and illustrated by Russell Dotterman So I just wanted to throw that in there because technically she is appearing as a slightly newer character. We also have Zeus and Hercules. Hercules, of course we don't see the end credits, but the Zeus of the comic books was of course brought over from the adaptation of the Greek mythology of mm-hmm. Zeus as the Pantheon. Um, He first appeared in Marvel Comics in Journey into Mystery Annual number one in 1965, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in this incarnation. He is the leader of the Olympian Pantheon, and he actually had it kind of out with Thor in that issue. Uh, And Thor was actually transported. I don't remember if it was to the Battle of Troy, but at some point they ended up ending up meeting each other. And of course, like any good old superhero story, they faced off in that same issue. During the mystery number, annual number one in 1965, we met our incarnation of also Hercules in the Marvel Universe, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. He, of course, is Zeus's son. He is also based on the more legendary character. Um, this Hercules eventually went on to come to Earth and join the Avengers, the Defenders, Champions, and Heroes for Hire in the comic books. So he became a, a major kind of like analog for Thor in the comic books. Uh, the poor man's Thor. When Thor wasn't around, you always had Hercules, especially when you had a party. Finally, Uh we have Eternity. Now, this is a celestial living embodiment of the universe and the cosmos created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and originally came in as part of a storyline for Doctor Strange. He Hmm. was mentioned in Strange Tales number 134 and first appeared in Strange Tales number 138 in 1965. He was actually part of a 17 issue storyline dubbed the Eternity Saga, which was part of a Doctor Strange storyline that ran from Strange Tales number 130 to number 146, 1965 to 1966. The character has returned, of course, in numerous other Marvel comic situations. Um, and, of course, is ultimately an abstract entity that is immortal, omni, um, omnipresent, and omniscient in its knowledge. Near, at least. Um, of course, when we talk about this in terms of the MCU, we kind of removed the whole null element where it's influence on gore. And we had Zeus, rather than living on Mount Olympus, he lived in, what was it, Eternity City or something? can't remember. I didn't look uh, it up. Yeah.
1: It's fun, but though. It's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> Some weird place where
0: apparently all the gods gather. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure is somewhere in the comics, but I didn't bother to check that one on me. Anybody wants to, you know, check my work, please feel free to. <laughs> now, before we get into the topic of co- the specific question under debate, I want to bring up something I found uh, a bit. You know, according to uh, Joel Hodge in an article titled All You Need Is Love The Theology of Thor, Love, and Thunder, which was posted on the 27th of July, 2022, states the following. But this is not where the question of faith ends in Thor. One must find a deeper faith that makes us worthy of our life, humanity, and each other. Worthiness and love are answers are the answers Thor that Thor uses to give meaning to Jane Foster, AKA, Mighty Thor, and Gore when they are at their most desperate. In both cases, Thor puts love into practice and reconciles with his former lover and his enemy. Though the film flirts with nihilism, which, of course, Gore brings plenty of, it is ultimately shown to run against the grain of the MCU. The MCU is built around the belief of heroism and love. And this is the ultimate message of Thor Love and Thunder, that love is the ultimate source of meaning and purpose. Thor expresses this in the climactic scene with Gore when he tells his adversary that both of them are really looking for love and that life is only worth living with love. Love is often reduced by Hollywood to romanticism that is certainly is present in the film, but not overdone. Instead, Thor Love and Thunder shows love is more bound up with self-sacrifice and selfless care for others, especially the weak and powerless. Think about, I think a lot about when when I'm closing out this statement here, because that's the end of his statement. I think about when Thor grants the children the power, you know, that sequence there that I really do like. So let's talk about this. How does the theme of love play a key role that is at the heart of Thor, Love and Thunder? Because I was really, this really, reading this really made me think about the film, as I was saying before we started recording, a little differently. Like, I have some criticisms of it. I do like Ragnarok better. But when I started reading this, it it shined a light on me that I hadn't really necessarily considered. And -hmm. maybe not seen in my initial thoughts on the film.
1: Yeah, I mean... I guess I yeah yeah I mean I it is kind of an interesting way to express love at every at every point um the the kind of forgiveness multiple angles of it um I don't know kind of where are you at on it well I I it made me think about this so I'm thinking
0: about a couple of things here so when Gore is dying and his daughter dies and then he stumbles into that paradise of the gods when mm-hmm. he's talking about praying to them and them not caring that's about like an unconditional love that goes unrequited a love for your creator or what you believe to be your creator. And it sends him on a really dark path because he in turn devoted himself in a sense of love to this God. And he lost his daughter, which was the only thing left in the world that he loved. Mm -hmm. And so he was left completely empty and any sense that love could exist for him in the world and even in the universe was rendered like this is where it turns into a bit of a nihilism is that he's like his attempt to lash out and kill these other gods is to make sure that no one is in his mind, I think wasting love on something that doesn't care about you. You know, he's literally going to strike them down to make sure that no one will uh, suffer that loss of Mm -hmm. wasting love on, in an unrequited way on some being that doesn't care about you and what he does in his nihilism is he sort of generalizes it in a blanket way, which makes what he does really evil because it's indiscriminate. He's not he doesn't care about who he's killing, or why he's killing them. He just sees them because they are a God. It's like if he was saying because you are Jewish, or because you are Muslim. He's just blanket killing them
1: indiscriminately. But then why torment the kids? When he takes them. Well,
0: because he sees Thor in that same vein. Thor is a God and these Asgardians have seen themselves as gods. And so he sees this as a way of, I think what he's doing in a weird perverted way is he is engaging in the same behavior of the gods. He has become the thing he hates because what he's doing in a lot of ways is acting like those gods who took his child from him or allowed his child to die. But he knows deep down that Thor won't let that happen, and so he hopes to use that sort of twisted logic in his brain to bring. Because he needs he needs the 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 whatever the Stormbreaker. That's it. He needs right. that to get to Eternity to make his wish, and so he sort of uh, he lets himself turn into the villain because the emptiness of that his own nihilistic perceptions of the world have become, I mean, think about the way that he's always in black and white and how the black and white exists around him. Right. it's Like a void. The color of love is like color. And when you get to him, it's devoid. It's sort of painted out into sort of like it's either this or that. It literally watches out the details or the nuance of anything, and it becomes simply like a nihilistic death trap,
1: you know, around him. I mean, I think that's certainly possible. You kind of helped say a few things that helped me kind of, I think, articulate what I was thinking. Which is, I think that really more, more, say truthfully, just more of the case in my opinion, as I see it, is to to your point. He is deceived, or he his he loses his his faith. I guess in Mm -hmm. the idea that he is loved by his creator. Right, because he realizes he is not. So, oh, I almost mean, mo- most religions teach that you know God loves you unconditionally, right?
0: Across almost right. every faith, and that we know of on here, on especially, the
1: Earth. especially if you're a good servant, exactly. Of the Lord, you know, as as and it's, the that's the unrequited God. element is that you, right. you gave this God your love, and what did you get in return? Nothing. Right. right. And I think to that end, as well, he has lost his ability to love anyone because he's lost his child. So he is now essentially suspended in a world where he does not have the ability, you know, metaphorically at least to be loved. And he does not have the ability to love. And so he is only possessed and taken over at that point by hate and by rage. You know, fear leads to hate, hate leads to anger, anger leads to dark. I I always think of it
0: as kind of like it's like a void. Like the void is just an empty
1: black hole in which sucks in everything yeah i mean but he, but he is a void now and so i yes. think that to my end but the idea of the void is now he is no longer simply there to take away the ability for other people to love someone right he is he is no longer trying to just take away the gods though obviously he is mm-hmm. i i think there is a certain part of him that he would gladly kill everyone right mm-hmm. he is now simply a, a hateful vengeful person who if you if you were to take his belief to kind of the extreme everyone can become a god in those in those parameters right because everyone is someone's child everyone is someone's Mm -hmm. mother everyone all those sort of things that eventually let loose on society he would just be a a, you know a mass serial killer you know a a sociopathic serial killer well that's to say he is sociopath he doesn't see any point of existence and that's why I think he's tormenting the kids and stuff like yeah. that. I, I don't think it's so much punishment on them as as just really he just gets pushed. Well, I, I mean, I, other see, other I saw it so like that. a twisted logic. He doesn't see it
0: anymore that he has become just like those things he seeks to kill. He, sure, you know it's yeah. that that, 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 that's, just, that, that's, that un- that's that sort of twisted logic of a villain, right? That leads you from being, you know, that you know when you think about the anger leads to hate. And all those right. things, like we talk about, you know, from our Star Wars canon. But th- think about what that is. It's it's a it's a descent into a slow sense of only me, and everything that is not like me must be destroyed. But yet, for him, it's twisted in a way to where he is so bent on destroying gods and on so focused on that mission that he has now become the very thing that he hates. He has, he has joined them gun. in that morass. You know? He has
1: become a god, really. Exactly. By, by yeah, he up is,
0: the and in mean, no such a way, ironically, he's acting he like likes the ones child. he hates. Yeah. He's yeah. hating he's acting in the very sense to the ones he hates too. But there's the
1: ones... there's an interesting religious parable there at the end. Then, yeah. when he, yeah. when the child love, you know, is is reincarnated essentially um, or brought back to life, he sacrifices himself to do so. Yeah. Right. There's that kind of sacrificial. He then loves again. And thus, love is back in the world, literally. And right and now.
0: Jane does a similar thing. Yeah. Jane sort of does it. You know, I think in a lot of ways, you know, she it's always been obvious herself. that Thor loved Jane. Oh, yeah. But it's always been problematic, in my opinion, at certain points on whether Jane really loved Thor. This film affirmed that. Yes. Because of what she was willing to do to help him. Mm-hmm. To be there for him. It, the, at what, in what she was... In a sense, costing herself, because the reality was is that being a, as a Thor was literally killing her. So and I think
1: that speaks to her, her cap, uh, um, her capability to have love herself. I guess you could say right? she's always because, been very kind of isolated, right? Scientific, and when you know, she got her death diagnosis, if you will, her her late stage cancer. Mm-hmm. I am assuming she took a path to say, all right, that I'm going to adopt this mantle that speaks to me. Sure. I, I, I feel great when I, I pick it up, but I'm going to use that power to go with great power comes great responsibility to go and help everyone and, and be a good Thor to the world. Right. To yeah. be a good God in that sense.
0: Which is why I think she was perfectly valid to be in Valhalla.
1: And I think, Oh yeah, I love that. She's in Oh Baha. I know. I love, I love that, that bit. I love that ending. And I, I love that. Um, I, I think it's, I think it speaks to kind of, that sacrifice, like you're saying, but it's it's even more than that. I don't know. It, I'm. But the I'm sacrifice itself here. is an act of love. Yes, I mean we want and to I get really think it, And I don't here. think it's I mean, for maybe that's where I was going. I don't think it's necessarily for Thor so much as it's no it's in for, support of Thor. Yes, right? it's for and, more than
0: that. It's right. It's, so it's it's also it's also shows Gore something he had lost sight of, sure. which was the ability that yeah. the sacrificing for others is in itself an act of love. I mean, we want to get really biblical. Think about what Jesus does. Why Mm -hmm. does Jesus allow himself? It's so that all of humanity can be redeemed, you know, through his sacrifice. I mean, that's in a lot of ways, what Jane does. She lays Mm -hmm. down that. It's what Gore ends up being realizing and sort of coming back to who he was before all this corruption and all this nihilism led him down these dark paths he is reminded and when the wish to bring back his daughter, mm-hmm. I think that is something, and I speak to this as a parent, that's something any parent would do if you were presented with a choice. Sure. If you were given the real choice and like, okay, attorney's gonna grant me one wish and I can either take create hate and kill lots of people, gods or otherwise or i could resurrect a lost child your lost parent child and you will that, resurrect yeah. the lost child right because the idea is there is that continuum that you know the greatest tragedy i think that can ever befall a parent is that their child dies before you right sure because they are yeah. the ones who are supposed Definitely. to live on they are the what can, is the continuation and that if they die before you that is in its own way a premature tragedy a loss you know an expression of grief. And and I think grief and love are very intertwined in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of different things that are going on with gore and with Thor and with Jane. And there's all this intertwining of grief and love. And there is a connection. You know, and I remember there was a recent song I heard. I can't remember the artist's name. But it was, he said, there was, I think the line was, grief is love that has nowhere to go.
1: Right. You know, you know and I'm like. Grief I'm is like, love carry what is love if not, uh, or what is grief if not love continuing? Right. Yes. Or something like
0: that? Yeah. That's what vision says. Yeah. And, so, and it reminds me of that, that same line that's been sticking out mm-hmm. in my head. You know, this idea that there is an interconnection between the two things. They are not so vastly divided as we like to think of them because we like to think of them as polar opposites, but they're a lot same, a lot closer to each other.
1: Well, and I to, think To use the symbolism of the movie and gore it's not all black and white sometimes there's a lot of gray to take into exactly
0: attack. and i think that's i think that was an interesting device that they mm-hmm. use with that was this notion of you know with gore and the black and white there is that sort of strangeness to it that's like it's very off-putting and i think yeah. that's that's on purpose
1: yeah it, oh. it feels weird it feels it feels like a different area it feels like a whole new movie almost it it kind of made me think of sin city and how like contrast <laughs> yes. of black and white it was yeah, you because know, and, and, and of course scale. the graphic novels are the same white, way. You know,
0: yeah. that's that's an homage to the graphic novels themselves, which are black and white. But black and white, oftentimes, I find, we, whether you're using it in a movie now, mm-hmm. when you can use color, or when you're using it in a graphic novel, it's usually an aesthetic choice that is right. designed with some sort of larger message. And I think with Gore being in that black and white, and Thor and everybody else being the color, mm-hmm. we're seeing this sort of bleeding together of the, the sort of grief and love being bled together and the realization of how, how close they are
1: that, you know, or how close Thor they and them were still in color, right. As they're Unless
0: they were there. engaged with gore. And then you saw that they were, they, they had the color shipping. fade from them, mm. you know, their closest yeah. their their proximity To me, it was like being, you know, it was like a proximity to evil, like sort of bled out, right. You know, the color. And I always hey. thought that, you know, when I started thinking about it, the color itself is a reflection of, a nuanced, complex world where love exists and where gore exists in that black and white. Mm-hmm. It's like it's either life or death. There is no love, you know. Everything is reduced to some sort of like thing, and love is absent,
1: you know. Well, and hate is hate is infectious too. So that's yeah. part of how the other color could zap or misery loves company. If you want to go down yes. the, the the cliches here,
0: no, I yeah. and I and I, like I said, I think this really gave me a lot of interesting like reflection take, on. Yeah my own thoughts about the film. You know, uh, I think this made me think about it and appreciate it more. Not that I, I mean, I didn't hate it or anything, but I was critical of it on the pod, Mm -hmm. you know, is that I didn't think, I didn't think it was better than I, let's just say I enjoyed Ragnarok better, but as I have experienced love and thunder more, and now looking at it in this light, I'm finding that I'm having more appreciation, which is what I've been thinking a lot about ever since we've been doing phase four, by the way, phase four ends with she Hulk. Oh, okay. I did because I, for those of you who don't know, I actually submitted an abstract. That's a long the, phase. I, 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 that I that well, I submitted an abstract to the pop culture uh, conference for 2024 talking about uh, reviewing phase four and mm-hmm. talking about grief. Um, and it's, let's see, it's WandaVision is the start of it. And right. then it includes Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternal, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Spider-Man Far From Home, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Actually, I think Spider-Man Far From Home actually closes out phase three. I take that back. Um, Thor, Love, and Thunder, Black Panda, Wakanda Forever, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She
1: Hulk. So yeah. Yeah, that's One quite a, a hefty, hefty phase. Yeah,
0: hefty face.
1: <laughs> Which we are now coming <laughs> to the close to the end <laughs> of ourselves. In,
0: wow. I figured I we were in
1: five by now with you know with Dude, the all we that don't, stuff, especially. But we that do is not cross over into five until we get to Ant Man. It has been, it's been a weighed-down, grief-heavy phase, for sure. There's a lot of... Sudden. Well, I think
0: I think that's why I think people have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Yeah. But that's, again, why I wrote the abstract, is that after having that conversation, when Casey and I were talking about WandaVision mm-hmm. and grief, we just sort of hit the idea. And I'm like, we've talked about it a couple times on the main pod, but ever since we and, he and I had that conversation, we, we were really just talking about it in, as we're compared to WandaVision, but when we yeah. started looking at it, I was like, okay there's an idea here and so on my first test run being an academic is i'm going to like do a presentation on it and then maybe i'll write a paper about it sure uh so because i do think it's worth uh visiting because i think we thanks to casey and like doing this talking thing out here mm-hmm. guys i mean <laughs> look folks eric's already given me an idea <laughs> for a writing piece about dr strange and the all the seven last week yeah. points so yeah, and Casey I'm gave me one for that so i mean talking
1: things out this is how it happens in a row i'm back for two weeks and i'm given two weeks that's what can i say (laughs) all right so any final thoughts um i don't know i as i mentioned on the pod this this movie really moved up in my eyes and Mm -hmm. and the rewatch um in my rankings um and really talking it through like this i I may have to go change my rankings now to be honest with you talking through it again it makes me almost want to go back and watch again just to watch for symbolism now now that i really Mm -hmm. have absorbed the story now that i've really felt the emotions and had all the fun to really go back and see because i think i've i've kind of underestimated taika watiti at times as a filmmaker especially in the marvel universe like Mm -hmm. when when love and thunder first came out i thought it was just him playing right and playing with characters and you know toys and you know type stuff but like Kind of watching it again, I realized how good of a narrative it actually was and how fun to watch it actually was. And then talking through it this way, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of it would be really interesting to go back and see how represent how how symbolic or how much symbolism surrounds um gore, especially, but really the the entire themes that we've kind of discussed here of love, sacrifice. And the lack of love and what that does. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I should have caught that. And I did catch that in the original movie, but like to really go back and see all the things that just kind of those those artist touch, you know, coming coming from it from the artist mind of like those things you do as as a as a designer myself in the past that are for you. And if the audience catches on, great. They they're in on the joke, so to speak. Yeah, well, or, I just moved um, mine up about six places on my letterbox, folks. <laughs> you know. Can you do that? Or are we going to have to tell Casey? Uh,
0: man, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Who knows? Casey probably cheats all the time.
1: Oh, Casey, we this didn't is, say this that. Is, this is the test. Does Casey listen to these? <laughs> the wise.
0: All right, folks. Well, that was a great episode. A so, All right, folks. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us. Write us at not funny guys, not off the reels at gmail.com. Hit us on Instagram at, at notfunnyguys. Sorry, not underscore funny guy, underscore guys, underscore presents. At over on the Twitter for as long as it's still there before Elon completely torpedoes Burn it. it at not funny guys Notfunnyguyspod, blue sky, the not funny guys. I promise I'll probably be doing a thread soon. Until then, <laughs> folks. Next week we've got Waka- Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have special returning guest, Catherine Silva. Uh, so, professor who works with me over at Claflin. So, we look forward to that one. Until next time, folks, keep strange and keep asking questions. I'm feeling good.